0: Good morning. Uh, Kids, you can be released in the back. Kiki and Jennifer are back there. Uh, So if you want to meet them in the back, kids can be released. They were standing in the back going like this. Taylor, don't forget. Which is good because I would have forgot. So. Uh, If you don't know me or if we haven't got an opportunity to meet my name is Taylor Lind I'm the student ministries pastor here uh, And so I get the privilege of hanging out with middle schoolers and high schoolers for most of my time uh, And I truly do find that as a privilege You need to know that the students that attend here that go here that are involved here are incredible Um, They're passionate They're loving They're welcoming in extreme, awesome ways, uh, and they're very invested in what they're doing in their schools, with their sports teams, uh, with what's going on here in their families. Uh, Just an incredible group of students, and and I feel very privileged to get to hang out with them, Uh, and I think that you should know that, and every time I'm going to talk to you, I'm probably going to highlight that. Uh, And so, uh, I just think that's incredible. But this morning, I feel an honor and privilege to get to share with you this First Sunday of the new year, and um, for those of you who don't know, my dad's a pastor. He's been a pastor my whole life, and he texted me this morning and he said, "Hey, are you starting with a story?" Because my dad starts almost every one of his sermons with a story, and I was like, "I don't think so." And he's like, well, "Crap, that I was going to steal yours." Um, I was like, "Well, what are you telling?" Uh, so we went back and forth. So in honor of that, here's a story, a New Year's story. There's a son who calls home. To his dad and says, "Hey, Happy New Year! It's uh, New Year's Day, and Happy New Year! And uh, are you making any resolutions this year?" His dad says, "Well, yeah. Uh, my my goal is this year to make your mom, my wife, as happy as possible all year." And his son goes, "Wow, that's an incredible goal. That's really awesome." And they keep talking and they're chatting, and, and his son says, "Hey, can I talk to mom?" Sure. And so they pass the phone off and. Son says, hey, mom, happy new year. Uh, Do you have any goals this year, any resolutions? And she says, my goal is to make sure your dad's goal happens. (laughs) So often in the new year, we make resolutions. We make these new goals. We make these things that we want to achieve, um, these these resolutions. I don't know about you, but I have one this year. Uh, Mine is to just read more books than I read last year. Just as long as it's one more, that's fine by me, right? My real goal is that I want to be somebody who spends a little bit less time on social media and a little bit more time reading, right? That's, that's really my goal. So I don't know about you, if you have a New Year's resolution, maybe after 2021, you're like, my resolution is to survive 2022. <laughs> that's it. That's the goal. And I totally understand that. that. That feels very real and raw and authentic. But a lot of us make these New Year's resolutions, and something that I... I I've kind of noticed about them is they're often connected to labels. Labels of who we are and who we want to be, right? For me, it might be, I want to be a reader. I don't want to be somebody who spends all their time on social media, and I want to be a reader. Maybe for some other resolutions, they're often around health. It could be, I want to be fit, or I want to be a runner, or I want to be I want to complain less, and so I want to be a more joyful person. It's this idea that, that we are casting out the old label and, and owning and claiming a new one, that we are casting out an old self and we're creating a new version of ourselves. There's an old common saying around New Year, I mean, you might have heard that's New Year, New Me, or New Year, New You, and you've probably actually heard that when somebody's trying to sell you something. Right? Like, hey, new year, new you, but only if you buy this. Like this pill or this, uh, but this is common sentiment of the idea that this new year, I'm going to be creating a new version of myself, something that's different than the old. That I'm no longer going to cling to the old labels or the old version of myself, but instead I'm going to be this new version and, and actually claiming this identity of our goals, claiming this new identity is really important when it comes to achieving our goals. I was reading in a runner's magazine once that said, no matter how far, no matter how fast, no matter how often you run, you're a runner. And it's this idea that it doesn't matter that the guy down the street is busting out ultramarathon miles every week, zooming by you, running super fast, running every day, and you can barely leg it up and down the block, right? If you're running, you're a runner. You're a runner because you run. You have to own that identity. It doesn't matter that the person down the street is doing more or better or more often. See, it can be really easy for us to look at what others are doing, see how they're achieving more, and for us to go like, gosh, that guy's the runner, not me like i can barely get up and down my driveway without breathing hard like that guy's the runner i'm never going to get to that level and i tell you this because this literally happened to me this week i'm doing research for this sermon i'm thinking about it a lot i'm thinking about my new year's resolution of reading more books i get on social media and a friend of mine posts something about how he had read 80 something books last year and i was like oh 80 something books Wow. Oh that's, i'm never going to get there That's crazy, right? And instead of going, wow, that's awesome. Good for him. I should get recommendations. My mind goes, man, that guy's a reader. I'm not a reader. That guy's the reader. I'm never going to get there. And all of a sudden, it instantly becomes this downer. Instead of going, man, I can claim this identity as reader, I look at what others are doing and what they're achieving, and look at my past, and just go like, ah, I'm never going to get there. But on the flip side, if we claim the identity of what we want to become, what we're working to become, it can be fuel to our fire. It can it can help us push us forward in what we want to achieve. Right? Because why wouldn't we? That's who we are. Of course, I go on runs. I'm a runner. Of course, I read books. I'm a reader. I was talking with Susie this week about the sermon and just kind of processing some of those thoughts and, and she said she was reading about smokers who are quitting smoking and the power of claiming the identity as a non-smoker, right, claiming the identity as somebody who doesn't smoke because when you're offered a cigarette, you can simply say, oh, I don't smoke. Just claiming the identity all of a sudden gives us the opportunity and the authority over whatever we're trying to quit, over whatever we're trying to get over, over whoever we're trying to become. Simply claiming that identity gives us the opportunity and the authority over it. There's a really similar concept that Paul talks about throughout his, his letters in the Bible, um, but today we're going to look first at 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 22. So you can turn there if you want in a Bible, uh, or you can read it on the screen. But we're in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 22. And Paul says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced as though uh, God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is a really powerful message that Paul has here. He says, we are a new creation In Christ. When we believe in Christ, we are created new. There's another version of this, there's another translation that says, Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love that they add this word behold in there because it's like, hey, pay attention. This is important. Behold, the new has come. If you look at the NIV version, there's an exclamation point right there. The new has come. Paul says that we are. When we believe in Christ, we are brand new. That we can cast away the old labels and that we can claim this new version of us. That we can cast away our identity as sinner because we have been reconciled with Christ and made new. He actually talks more about this life and and identity and the risen Christ and our freedoms in Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. So if you want to turn there or read from the screen, it's going to be up there again. Again, this is Paul talking about kind of the same concept. He says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self has been crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was risen from the dead, we cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives for God. In the same way, we count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been uh, brought from death to life, and and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, your sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. And again, Paul tells us, because of Christ's death and resurrection, we are invited into a new life. We are invited to claim a new identity. We are invited to no longer see ourselves and claim the identity of sinner, but as saved and i believe that it's really key for us to claim this identity. i think it's really important. and for some of you you're going like, yeah, of course, taylor, that makes sense. but for a lot of us this can be a really challenging concept. i know for me, as i'm doing my research for this sermon, i constantly felt myself pushing back on the idea because most of my life in church a giant part of my identity was the sinner. That was a key part of who I was in the context of the church. Right? It's a key part. And for some of us, I think that that's probably the case. And so it's easy to kind of feel the pushback. But, but hear me, there's, there's no, in my research, I couldn't find any dedicated follower of Jesus other than Paul, who calls himself this, once. But other than Paul, I could not find any dedicated follower of Jesus in the New Testament who's labeled as a sinner. This blows me away, right? In fact, Christ really doesn't use the label of sinner all that often. Throughout the Gospels, he uses it eight times, okay? Eight times, six of those times, six of the eight. Christ is referring to people as sinners who've already been referred to in that way. So he's just referencing back to what somebody else has called them. It's often like, why does he sit and eat with sinners? When Jesus answers the question, he goes and he, and he answers it by continuing the language that they've used. So six of the eight, that's what happens. The other two, Jesus calls sinners um, when he's talking to the high priests and the rulers of Jerusalem. Okay. It's never his dedicated followers. I think this is important because I know for at least me, often the church has done a really good job of identifying the sinner, but not identifying as the saved. And I think the distinction is really important here. For a couple reasons. Number one, I think it's really important to see that distinction and to have that identity as new rather than and a new creation rather than sinner uh, because it changes our perspective, right? We, we move from a perspective of sinner to saved and, uh, and I think that's important because much like our goals, our resolutions, right? Much like when I was talking about those, Claiming that new identity helps us grow and continue to grow towards what we want to be. So claiming that a new identity of who God tells us we are, a new creation, helps us grow and mature in our faith. Right? Of course I'm constantly in my spiritual practices. Of course I'm constantly around other people and talking about the Bible. Of course I'm constantly growing in my faith. I'm a new creation. That's who I am. That's just a part of who I am. Of course, I'm doing those things. See, this is a powerful tool to help us become who God wants us to be. And it helps us shift the perspective from the sin to the Savior. It helps us shift the perspective from the temptation to the solution. I find this so, so commonly happens and and so vividly when I'm working with students or young adults or adults um, who struggle with visiting websites that they don't want to or shouldn't be visiting, right? And this is a pretty common problem in our world. Uh, And so I've had the opportunity to walk through that with some people. What I find happens often is they just go okay i'm not going to do it again i'm not going to do it again i'm not going to visit not going to the website i'm not going to visit and all of a sudden the temptation is what they're focusing on and it continues to go in their head over and over and over and over again and all of a sudden like i'm not going to do that i'm not going to do that i'm not going to i can't i'm not supposed to do that i'm not supposed to and all of a sudden you end up there anyway right because our focus is solely on the temptation rather than the solution right instead i tell folks hey move your focus away from the temptation, and more on God. Jesus tells us in, in Luke chapter six, he's telling a parable, and at the end of the parable, he says this. He says this really incredible thing. He says, I gotta find it in my notes. He says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. See, listen, what we focus on, what we put in our body as far as our mind and into our hearts is going to come out in our words and in our actions. So when we focus solely on the temptation, when we focus solely on the bad, that's what's going to come out because that's what's filling us. Paul, again, he's using this, this analogy of death and resurrection in Colossians 3. And he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God Set your mind on things above Not on earthly things Set your mind on things above Change your perspective Identify in this new creation Rather than identifying as our old self See it's important Because it gives us power and authority Over our old self When we say I identify as a new creation in Christ, sin no longer has the power or authority in my life. When I let sin and temptation constantly rule my mind, guess what's going to come out of my body? Jesus says so. Here's the second reason I think it's really important that we make this distinction of identifying in the new creation rather than old or, or rather as sinners. It's as important because it's the identity we're given by Christ, right? As I said before, Jesus does not call his followers sinners. Listen, does that mean they don't sin? Of course not, right? Like, of course. And, and acknowledging and repenting of our sin is a very important spiritual practice, And it's an important part of reconciliation, okay? Acknowledging, repenting of our sin is important. And we don't just magically stop sinning once we follow Jesus. But here's the incredible piece, right? When we follow Jesus, that's when he stops identifying us or labeling us as sinners. Doesn't mean we stop sinning, but that's when Jesus removes that label when we get to claim this new label. I read uh, Darlingston Johnson. He's a bishop, and and he writes about this, and he writes like this. I'm going to paraphrase what he says. He says, A caterpillar goes through metamorphosis and is born again as a butterfly. Once a butterfly, it will occasionally land on the ground and get its wings dirty. But that doesn't mean it's now a caterpillar again. Listen, are we going to mess up? Yeah. Are we going to sin? Yeah, the Bible tells us we will. For sure. But the Bible also tells us that God calls us a new creation, that God calls us his children, and that we get to claim that identity. We get to own that identity. I love the way Celebrate Recovery talks about it and does their introductions. For those of you who don't know, Celebrate Recovery is a recovery program, much like other 12-step groups Uh, But this one's Christian-based, and uh, typically when you go to a recovery meeting, you introduce yourself as, hi, I'm Taylor, and I'm an alcoholic, or I'm an addict. When you go to Celebrate Recovery, in a typical Celebrate Recovery group, you would introduce yourself as, hi, my name's Taylor, I'm a child of God, or I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with. Now, every 12-step program I've ever encountered has been amazing, and I've seen them all save lives. They're incredible. But I love this little distinction, this little change that Celebrate Recovery makes, right? They put the emphasis on our identity in Christ rather than our struggle. They put the emphasis on who we have been made into, this new creation, rather than our old past. Doesn't mean the old past is gone, doesn't mean we don't still struggle with it right? I still struggle with it. But I can claim this new identity. See, Christ died, came back to life, so that we could be reconciled with God. Now, that is an identity that I believe is worth claiming. And I think this matters outside just our own walk with Christ. In fact, if we go back to 2 Corinthians, uh, that first part we were in, Second Corinthians 5, this whole section is Paul talking about a new way of doing ministry. It's talking about how we are called to minister to people. And we can see that in verses 18 through 20. It say, All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. talks about this beautiful analogy of being dead with Christ and alive and created new. And then he says this, that right there, is the message. That's what you're called to spread. This is the ministry we have of reconciliation. This is it, a, a minister and a message of hope, of new creation, of new identity, of claiming who God tells us we are. But I don't know that the church has always done a great job of passing that message along. I know that for me and my generation, I'm a millennial. We get a lot of crap, millennials. Um, And uh, sometimes it's fair. Sometimes, I don't know. But uh, a lot of millennials have left the church. It's kind of this um, crazy thing that's happened. And, And I think for a lot of the people I've talked to, a lot of my peers who I've talked to, they've really struggled with The way that the church became a whole set of rules. The way that the church just was constantly about all the bad things that we needed to be saved from rather than the beauty of the new creation and the grace. I think there was a lot of condemnation in it. I think that's why one of my favorite verses in the bible is john 316 and 17 now most of us if you've grown up in the church probably know 316 it's maybe the most famous bible verse of all time But I think we do ourselves a disservice by not memorizing or understanding or looking at 17 as well when we do. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen, give me a list of rules and a constant reminder of how I'm going to fail those rules. Probably not going to stick around. Expose me to a radical saving grace and a love that comes from Jesus. Expose me to this new life that pulls me out of the old and gives me power over my temptation and over my sin. This new life that involves loving people really well like Jesus did in radical crazy ways. That is something I'm going to drop my nets and follow for. See, our identity as a new creation in Christ is going to change our life, right? It gives us power and authority over sin. It helps keep us focused on maturing in Christ and helps us reach our goals. When we claim that new identity, it helps us personally. But but that identity isn't meant just for us. We're called to extend that to everyone around. We're, We're called to invite people into this new Life that is so much better than the old. Church, I want to tell you this one more time that God says, You, when you believe in Jesus, you've been reconciled with God and you are created new. You are a beautiful new creation and you are in this beautiful, amazing family and you get to own that identity. You get to live into that. And you get to invite other people to live in this beautiful new identity. Let's pray. God, you are good. Thank you that you know us and that you love us. Thank you that uh, you would send Jesus to die and be resurrected to get power over death and sin. And God, that I uh, that would reconcile us with you. God, I pray that we would be bold enough to live in that new faith and that new life. God, that we would see ourselves the way you see us. God, that uh, we would show others that same level of grace and love and compassion and invite them into this amazing new life. God, we love you. Thank you that you love us. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you for being here today. Uh, I hope you have an amazing Sunday.